You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by our Chief Economist, Stephen Halmerick. Stephen, nice to have you on. Thanks, Belinda. Very good to be with you again. Now, we're doing a slightly different podcast uh, today. So our last podcast was with Gareth Ayer talking about the change of government and what they that might mean for our economic forecast and our RBA profile. Now, today we're going a little bit more granular, Stephen. We're going to be talking about uh, two different topics, but they also do tie in together. What's been happening over in Western Australia and the outlook for dwelling construction. So you've just returned uh, from Western Australia and certainly what, what they're facing is some same challenges that we're seeing Australia-wide, but I think probably to a more heightened degree. Yes, it was really, um, really good to get over to Perth for the first time in about three years for the, um, all the obvious reasons why we couldn't be going there. Uh, so I spent a few days talking to clients right across the Commonwealth Bank network. And you know, without doubt, the, the two biggest issues were shortages of labor mm. and supply chain constraints having an impact on a wide range of industries, uh, construction, aged care, even I was told of the, the film industry. And so, you know, that is really, if you like, beginning to limit how strong the Western Australian economy can grow. Uh, so there's not a lack of demand, there's a lack of ability for the supply side to meet that demand. So really uh, kind of interesting developments. It is, and I think we're seeing that in a way across uh, some parts of Australia as well where we're hearing particularly and seeing it in the data, just the tightness of the labour market has meant that some uh, companies cannot get the staff to expand or cannot get the equipment and raw materials to continue to expand as well. Now, the labour market in WA is particularly tight, isn't it? Yes, uh, the, the unemployment numbers show the unemployment rate for April at 2.9% in Western Australia. So that compares to the national unemployment rate of 3.9%. Now, 3.9% is a low number. That's the lowest since yeah. 1974 for the national unemployment rate. So 2.9% in Western Australia is just incredibly low. Uh, but the, the main issue there is... Uh, the uh, ability, I mean, there's actually just a shortage of people mm. to do all the work mm. that is available. So I was talking to one uh, business leader telling me that he is running uh, 30% short on the number of staff he would like to get. And then uh, particularly there's lots of stories in the construction sector about the, the, uh, the lack of people and the lack of materials just really ballooning out the, the time frame for uh, construction projects. Now, one area uh, that we're also seeing some real benefit come through in Western Australia is the agriculture sector as well, but also there seems to be some uh, a large number of foreign students coming back. So some really good tailwinds for the Western Australian economy as well. Yeah, it was great to talk to some people in parts of the economy that you know, I don't normally spend a lot mm-hmm. of time with. So one was a, a large university 
uh, telling me that the applications for foreign students had really increased quite considerably in recent months and they were looking at actually uh, getting back to levels above uh, COVID, particularly students coming from uh, India and around the subcontinent and other uh, places like South Africa makes Perth stand out from the rest of Australia, the number of South African students over there. Uh, so it was good to see that returning education, uh, that would help with the labour market supply. So, you know, lots of students like to get part-time jobs, particularly in the hospitality sector. Although, again, it was highlighted that uh, there was a lack of a lack of accommodation to house all these students. Yeah. Uh, but in the agricultural sector, we've got this really, you know, positive combination, if I can put it that way, where prices for a lot of agricultural products, particularly things like wheat and canola, are up uh, very sharply because of the concerns about a fall of global supply given the war in Ukraine Mm. and the sanctions on Russia. Uh, But the supply coming out of Western Australia uh, of winter crops is actually rising. So you've got higher supply of some of these crops and much higher prices. So that's a pretty uh, positive combination for uh, for the agricultural sector over in WA as well. So turning our attention to construction, and this is kind of an issue we're seeing Australia-wide at the moment, the, the construction industry, particularly residential construction, is finding a lot of challenges with rising prices, a significant shortage of material inputs, and uh, people as well. Yes, that's right. It was really mentioned to me in quite a number of meetings that you know, there's, there's not enough people to do the work and the supply of materials is a big problem. Uh, a good way to um, for our listeners to think about that is if if you place an order for a construction company to build you a new house uh, today, it's probably going to be about two years before you're moving into that new house. Um, a few years ago, pre-COVID, that would have been closer to six months so the time frame to build and deliver a new home has ballooned out from six months to two years, and in fact, it's it's quite it's quite um, an unusual circumstance where there's so much work on for the construction sector, they're struggling to meet that demand, uh, they're missing missing um, some milestone construction um, periods, and therefore missing their progress payments or construction companies have been operating under fixed contracts. Mm. Uh, let's say they were signed six months ago and their costs have gone up a lot since uh, those six months and they can't pass the higher costs onto the customers. So there's actually some concerns over the you know, financial well-being of construction companies because there's too much demand and not enough supply to meet that demand. Yes. So very unusual circumstances. Yeah, it's been it's really described as a profitless boom. Yeah, that's a, that's probably a good way to put it. Com- companies unable to keep up with the increased costs of their inputs. So that ties in nicely with I've just published our outlook for dwelling investment over the next uh, two years. So what we've seen really since the federal government uh, announced the Home Builder Scheme back in June 2020, which does seem a little bit a while ago now, is a strong lift in building approvals and a strong lift in housing construction. So I think Home Builder has been much more successful than what was estimated. If we just look at the initial estimate of the Home Builder program, it was $680 million. Uh, and what we've already seen now is $2.1 billion being paid out in home builder payments and a significantly higher estimate of 
the number of applications received than the original 27,000. On the latest counts, we've had close to 138,000 applications for Home Builder. So that really talks to the strong demand we've seen uh, in the housing construction industry, but also contributed uh, to those cost and staffing issues uh, that you talked about before. Yeah, that's an amazing increase um, in that home builder applications. You know, re- really successful program, brought forward a lot of activity. Uh, so what do you think are the, the headwinds for dwelling investment from here on out? So we've already seen a fall in uh, building approvals. So since the peak back in March 2021, which really ties in with the end of that home builder program when you had to get applications in, we've seen uh, home We've seen building approval applications down around 35% from the peak, but we're also seeing other headwinds develop. So the two major headwinds, one of them you've already talked about, which is rising costs, but the primary headwind will be higher interest rates. So we've already seen the RBA commence its interest rate hiking cycle that occurred in May. Now the issue is dwelling investment in the housing market are generally more sensitive to interest rates in other parts of the economy. So higher interest rates reduce borrowing capacity, it places downward pressure on demand for housing and dwelling prices, and it generally makes households and developers build less housing. So that's really what we're going to see uh, come through is higher interest rates will make it less likely we'll see housing's being constructed. And at the same time, as you rightly said, we've also seen costs and capacity constraints come in the residential construction industry. So if we just look at data uh, coming through, uh, the producer price index shows that we've seen 15.4% lift in the cost of inputs to build a new detached house. So some price increases we've seen include steel, which is up over 40% over the past year. Timber at plus 20%, electrical products at plus 14%. The rising cost to build a new house will place a constraint on the number of people willing um, to buy land and build. Uh, And that's particularly the case where we've seen strong demand for housing in places like Brisbane and Perth because we've seen net interstate migration return to those states and so we'll likely see uh, just because of those cost pressures and the inability to find a builder really place downward pressure on housing commencements as well as actual construction. So on our numbers we have the number of housing commencements in 2022 fall about 20% compared to 2021 and then a further fall in 2023. So there's lots of uh, negative factors there, as you, as you mentioned, lots, lots of headwinds. Is there any, you know, any tailwinds or any signs of optimism that we can see a little bit further down the line? The real tailwind will come from the return of net overseas migration. So, you know, we're talking to a lot of uh, our customers at the moment just about staffing shortages and the need to find skilled migration. So there are some signs that after two years of closed borders, we have started to see net overseas migration return. We've seen that in students. That's some of the feedback that you've picked up um, from your meetings in Western Australia. But we're also seeing that in the arrivals data as well. So on our expectations, and this was similar to the numbers in uh, the March budget as well, 
we should see an inflow of net overseas migration this financial year of around 40,000 and that should lift next year to 180,000 and by the end of uh, the 2024-25 financial year, around 235,000 net overseas migrants return. So that's a positive but what we're not seeing though is a catch-up period. So it is going to be a little bit tougher uh, to really see that underlying demand for housing return uh, unless we see a change in that policy. We will see temporary workers return, which may place some pressure on vacancy rates, which are already low in some parts of the country. But the real tailwind, as I said, will come from a return of that net overseas migration. But it looks like that will take some time to come through. Yes, I agree. And certainly the feedback from Perth was you know, want to see the net, those net migration numbers up uh, quickly. As you say, there's some early signs of that, mm. but I think really a return to those numbers above 200,000 per year is uh, more of a 2023 story than this year, I would think. Great insights on what we've been hearing from our customers as well and certainly what you're hearing uh, from those you saw in Western Australia is also very similar to what we're hearing in other parts uh, of the economy. But for now, um, Stephen, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining. My pleasure. Thanks, Belinda. Now, you can read uh, Stephen Halmerick's report on The Travelling Economist uh, from his visit to Western Australia. That was published on the 20th of May 2022 and the piece that I published on Dwelling Investment and the Outlook from here and that was published on the 23rd of May 2022. You can read both these pieces on combankresearch.com.au.